0: Good morning, everyone. It is the 6th of July. And remotely, I'm joined by Nathan Sweeney, Asim Kadri and Mayank Markande. Nathan, if we could start by looking at the US market. It was a good week, another risk on week, and we saw rebounding markets. Could you give us a few reasons why that might have been the case?
1: Sure. Morning, Lorna. So if we look at last week, we had very strong performance in the US. So the US was up over 4%. Now this is coming off the back of a weaker week. So the prior week to that, you know, the market was down 2%. So a little bit of a rebound there. But really, a lot of the news is centering around positive data. So we're seeing a lot of positive data surprises. So towards the beginning of the week, we saw that pending home sales jumped 44% in May. So this was more than double the consensus estimate. So you can see that the Fed lowering interest rates has really bought out buyers for houses in the US. And a lot of the housing data is definitely surprising on the upside and even surpassing levels that we saw pre-COVID. So in the US, there's big appetite for housing at the moment. But also, I think the real important data point that came out was the unemployment rate, which came out towards the end of the week. So we had this data point on Thursday and unemployment fell and it fell a lot more than expected. So the number coming into the week was 13.3%. And you saw that unemployment fell to 11 spot 1%. So we saw a record 4.8 million gains in payrolls or people being hired throughout the course of the month. So this is quite positive. But there's one thing to highlight, which is quite important. This data obviously reflects conditions early in June, and this is before the recent resurgent of COVID cases. So it's quite likely that you see a slowing in data as some states kind of put on pause their reopening plans, and this is likely to impact growth in Q3. So there's lots of reasons to be positive, but we would just watch out for those cases that have been picking up recently and keep an eye on those to see where that's going.
0: Yes, there could be quite a reality check there. How are things looking in China, I assume? We seem to have had some improving data there too.
2: Yeah, so they're continuing to see strong economic data in China, particularly with regards to services, and that's resulted in growing optimism from both individuals and businesses about the economic recovery. So, at the start of the last week, official NBS June PMI figures were released, and generally speaking, they suggest that the overall activity growth expanded further in June. And that was on the back of policy support, global activity recovery we're seeing. So, general demand conditions appear to be improving, which is encouraging, as I would expect the normalization of domestic consumption demand and the services sector to be the key driver of Chinese economic recovery going forward, but I would caveat by saying that cross-sector divergence within the demand side of the economy does still remain. One figure I did want to highlight was the k services PMI figure. So this figure is more reflective of how small and medium-sized businesses are faring, and that rose to 58.4, which is the strongest reading in 10 years. And it was noted that businesses were highly confident about the economic outlook and that easing and policy restrictions were really driving that recovery. You know, So generally speaking, it does seem as though businesses are gaining strength, but I would take that figure with a pinch of salt as a number of services industries mainly in kind of the more cultural entertainment side of the economy, such as cinemas, do remain shut. So the figures probably don't paint in the full picture and evidently it will still take time for the economy to fully recover, particularly as global growth uncertainty lingers.
0: Indeed. Well, that's quite an impressive jump in confidence at the corporate level. How has that been reflected in the Chinese stock market?
2: Yeah, sure. So this data and the growing optimism has in turn led to the domestic onshore Chinese equity market rallying. It was actually up 6.8% over the course of last week and closed at a five-year high, and actually overnight it rose by over 5% in one day. The last time Chinese equities were higher than current levels was during July 2015, when, as you may recall, prices rallied before crashing quite sharply in August of that year. And overnight, as I mentioned, we saw the biggest one-day jump in over a year. And that's really being driven by retail investors who've been betting on the economic recovery, uh, gaining momentum, and really piling into tech and internet names in particular.
0: So it could be an instance of over-exuberance there. Mike, if we can turn to you, we've seen this picture of increasing confidence in growth and potentially also in inflation, been playing out in the inflation link, bond markets.
3: Sure. So, inflation and bond market actually had a pretty good week because of expectations rising. And, you know, the best way to measure that is five-year, five-year break-evens. And, and we saw those increase by 10 basis points in the US, for example. In the UK, the inflation-linked bond index significantly outperformed the nominal bond indexed by over a percent and a half for the week. So as the economy is beginning to recover, we all see expectations on inflation increasing and, and they're being reflected in the inflation-linked bond markets.
0: And we can see the impact of that on the gold price as well, I think.
3: Yes, the gold price... Thus far, has been driven really by its ability as a, a defensive asset and to hedge some of the the risk on behaviour from equity markets. So, gold has obviously been one of the strongest performing assets year to date, and we've seen gold currently at seventeen eighty five. And you know, this week because of its inflation protection abilities, despite being a, for example, a pretty strong week for risk asset markets, you'd expect gold to suffer in this kind of environment, but gold remained pretty steady and resilient for the week. And for me, I think the reason for that was mainly because of its inflation hedging characteristics. So that helped it to sort of remain fairly resilient and strong.
0: Yes, indeed. So what do we expect for the week ahead? If we could stay with you, Mayank, anything on the radar for you?
3: So the week ahead is, you know, relatively light. But we are going to be seeing ISM, non-manufacturing PMIs coming in. For the US, we're going to see construction PMIs in the UK. So they should give an interesting uh, read on state of the economy. Both are expected to increase from their previous levels. We're also seeing initial jobless claims come out in in the US on Thursday. The forecast is for a drop from previous levels, so showing improving labour market conditions. Finally, we're seeing crude oil inventory data coming in on the 8th of July, and the previous reading was for minus 7.2 million barrels, which was obviously quite positive for crude oil, which meant because supply was being constrained. The forecast for, for this time around is close to minus 1 million. So yeah, we see the supply numbers come in below that, below the minus 1 million, which is forecast. We could expect oil to have a bit
0: of a, a bounce. We should watch with interest. Thank you all very much. Thank, Thank you, you. you Leonard.